That was from John 3. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You're Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Amen. Thanks, Joe. Well, we're going to think uh, about what Joe read to us from John's Gospel. Uh, Give you a little challenge at the beginning. Can you memorize the verse before the end of the service? Uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So going to keep coming back to that. Uh, Hopefully you can remember it. Every uh, Sunday I try and give you a thought for Thursday, like something just to remember on Thursday morning. What was church about? What was Neil about? What did I hear? Well, on Thursday this week and the next week, and probably the week after that as well, the Thursday thought is John 3.16. Wake up, think, what was church about? John chapter 3, verse 16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Uh, I hope those words will stick with you forever. If you're not a Christian and, and uh, sometimes you're unsure of what Christianity is all about, that's an amazing summary of Christian belief. That's the heart of the Christian faith. Uh, that's what you're choosing or rejecting. Um, If you're a young person and you want to know a really helpful truth about God that will carry you through life, then God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's a great truth to carry with you for the rest of your life. You might be an older person full of anxiety as you get near the end of your days. Well, remember this. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. 
So it's just a really helpful, helpful thing to know. Hopefully in your dying day, you will be able to remember how much God loves you, that he loves the world so much that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Been thinking a lot about walking with God. Uh, I speak to lots of you who feel God is really far away, that you have no sense of his nearness in your life, that he's absent from your own existence at that personal level. And so this year, we're thinking about a church about how do we learn to live more in God's presence or aware that he is present? And um, how can we learn to walk with God in life rather than feel abandoned by God or forgotten by God? And uh, today, that's the thought really that I'm taking from John chapter 3 is to walk in love, to walk in love. And that's an amazing hope to have, isn't it? That actually we might be able to walk in love and have an experience of God's love that is real and powerful and lasting in our lives. So God loves the world. That's the first thing that I want to say to you today. Secondly, he gave us one and only son. That's the second thing. The third thing, whoever believes will not perish but have eternal life. So God loves the world. He gave his son so that whoever believes will not perish but have eternal life. So that's just three simple ideas that are here. In this verse, as Jesus speaks to a Jewish religious leader called Nicodemus, who despite all his religion was still looking for enlightenment or truth or understanding of salvation. God loves the world. Well, here it is, the world, our beautiful planet. But you know what? I think we all worry about the world. And we live in a really anxious age where so many people worry about what's going on in the world around us and about the future of the human race and of the planet. Uh, save our planet. What's the future of the world going to be like? There's ice caps melting. There's drought. There's mass migration. There's terrible pollution and climate crisis. There's famine. There's cruelty. There's humanness. There's homelessness and there's human trafficking. Uh, there's a drugs trade that's worth billions of pounds that is built on violence and preys on the weak. There are all these fears that haunt us day by day. You'll die of old age, we'll die of climate change. We think the world is going to end soon. We think that the social unrest that surrounds us is going to overtake us. And so it is an anxious world. The pandemic, I think, has just made that worse. We feel as if our world is broken and that our world needs help. There's the environmental crisis, there's racial injustice, there's pandemics. We're alienated from each other as people and we're alienated from the world that we live in. It's so much brokenness in all of these different facets of our existence. But the real underlying root of all of that is this, that we're alienated from God our creator. The world has gone astray from the God who made it. We've gone astray from the God who made us. And the world is doomed to perish, except that God loves the world. So the ruins of our world are the backdrop to the love of God. And that love brings him to rescue and restore. So no matter how anxious you are about the planet or how anxious you are about your own life, 
God just comes back with this amazing truth. I love this world and I love you because you're part of my world, my creation. And so John 3 verse 16 is an incredibly reassuring verse when we worry about what's going to happen in the world and what's going to happen to us. God comes back and says, I've got this. I love the world. I'm caring for it. God sets his vast, immeasurable, endless love on this world. This is a world of ruin and guilt. There's nothing particularly lovable about it in many ways, but God loves it anyway. God loves liars. God loves greedy people. God loves polluters. God loves the hateful. God loves the self-righteous. God loves the spiteful. God loves the ignorant. God loves the intolerant. God loves the wrong-minded. God loves the cartels. God loves the exploited. He loves all of us despite our heart of darkness. God made a world that was a garden and we've wrecked it and turned it into a loveless, lifeless desert. But he still loves us. And he loves us so much that he's coming to redeem it. Uh, he loves us so much that there is no Bible writer that can tell us exactly how much he loves us. But we know this, that it's enough to send his son Jesus to redeem us and to help us. So God loves the world. That love doesn't come from outside of God. That love springs up from within the heart of God himself. God loves because it's in his nature to do so. He is love. Uh, C.H. Spurgeon was a Baptist preacher a couple hundred years ago almost. who said this, this stream of love flows from its own secret source in the eternal deity. It fills itself from the springs of the infinite. God loves simply because he will love. A love that is so great, so powerful, that God can't hold it back. It has to come from him. It has to flow from his person, from his being, from his throne into our world. And that flow of love to our world is never interrupted. The tap is never turned off. It just keeps coming and coming and coming. A world turns its back in God, God keeps loving. A, God wants, a world that wants nothing to do with God, well, God isn't thwarted. He keeps loving. The world rebels against God. A world that destroys itself, God keeps loving. A world to which God sends his son, and then this world crucifies him, God keeps sending his love. So God loves the world. He really loves the world. Second thing, God has sent his one and only son. Those who love a lot give a lot, and God's love spares itself nothing. God gives everything he has to bless and save us. If you are a parent, then you know you'll do anything for your children. You'd give them a kidney, you'd give them a lung, you'd give them your blood, you'd give your life for the child that you love. So God loves you. And that's amazing, isn't it? Because you know we would think that if, if God hates evil and if God is absolutely and relentlessly uh, committed to what is just and good, that when he sees the evil in this world and the mess we're making of it, 
surely he's just going to hit the delete button and say, scrub this. It's too much of a mess. Let's, let's have a do-over. Well, God loves too much for that. He doesn't press delete. He sends his beloved son so that we will no longer live as orphans. This is the beloved son in whom God says he is well pleased. This is the beloved son who is one with the father in heaven. When God gives his son, he gives himself because Jesus is one with the father. Jesus is not less than God. So God gives all he is and all that he has. And God seems to love us even more than he loves Jesus. He did not spare him so that he could spare us. He sent his son to be born in a manger. He sent his son to be a refugee in Egypt. He sent his son to labor and sweat in a carpenter's workshop, hammering in nails, sawing wood, building, working, toiling. He sent his son amongst politicians and priests who looked at him with snake eyes, scheming hearts and violence. He sent his son to poverty, to hunger, to homelessness to thirst. He sent his son amongst crowds of people who called for his death and laughed at his suffering. He sent his son to the cross, to loneliness and to sorrow. He sent his son to bear the sin of the world. He sent his son, the just, to die for the unjust in order to bring us to God. God didn't do that in a whim or out of sentiment. It is the eternal, unchanging, ceaseless purpose of his love to send his son to rescue people like us because God loves the world. Often we live as orphans in this world, lost, alone, anxious, afraid. But God sends the son so that we can be brought into God's family, so that we can be adopted as sons and daughters of the King of Kings. That's so personal, isn't it? So personal that we don't have to live alone and adrift and afraid and uh, vulnerable. God is a God who will be a father to the fatherless, he says. God invites you through his son Jesus into friendship. He invites you into his care he says he's going to hold us by the hand. He's going to walk with us into tomorrow, into the future. And that when he walks with us, he will keep our hand in his hand. And he will always walk with us in love. When God adopts us, he makes us his own and he never leaves us. We don't need to live as orphaned children in this world, alone and anxious and afraid. God loves us. He loves the whole world in an unending, unbreakable way. But he loves you in a deeply personal and individual way. Knows your name, knows your date of birth, knows your DNA, knows your, your suffering, knows your sorrows, knows your sins and uh, your thoughts. And uh, none of it surprises him. And none of it turns back the river of his love towards you. He looks on all of us with compassion and sympathy. He looks with all of us with love and says, come to me and rest. 
So God loves the world. God sent his one and only son. Thirdly, so that whoever believes will not perish, but have eternal life. So that's a great word, isn't it? Just that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Uh, that means a lot of people will get eternal life. An awful lot of people will have eternal life. Uh, but not the usual suspects. Jesus is speaking to this man, Nicodemus. Nicodemus would have had a very fixed idea of who might get eternal life. He would have thought people like him. Uh, the people of Israel, perhaps. Religious people, respectable people, good people. But when God says whoever believes, that's telling us that it's not for those who just keep God's laws or lead decent lives or who are really, 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 really sorry for their sins or for those who have an amazing faith. None of these are what get you eternal life. Eternal life is found in Jesus by believing in Jesus. Whoever believes in Jesus, it doesn't matter what they're like, has eternal Life. It's not about what we do, it's about what Jesus has done for us. It's not about how much we trust, it's about who we trust. Whoever covers all kinds of people. Uh, it's for old people. Whoever covers those who are at the end of life, who are kind of uh, teetering towards the grave. And God says, that if they believe in Jesus Christ, they will have eternal life. Uh, it's for the young, for those in their teens, for those who have all of life and all its promise ahead of them. And God says, if you uh, will believe in Jesus, you will never perish, young person, but you will have eternal life. It's for happy people, to, to the happy people of this world, God says, if you believe in Jesus, you will never perish. You will have eternal life. You will have eternal joy. And it's for sad people. To the sad people in this world, God says, if you believe in Jesus, you will never perish. You will have eternal life. It covers all of us. It covers the hard-hearted and the cold-hearted. It's for all of us, uh, whoever we are, however we feel. That's my phone battery, so the sermon might end sooner than you think. So it's for all of us, uh, whoever we are. And a lot of us feel, well, because we don't, you know, because we're quite dead inside spiritually, that this can't be part of, of our experience. But it's not about how we feel. It's about where our faith is directed. I'm going to give you a, a quote from Spurgeon, the Baptist preacher again, who says this. He says, Oh, you that feel yourselves guilty, and you that feel guilty because you don't feel guilty, so I'm supposed to feel guilty, but I don't. You that are broken in heart because your heart will not break. So those of you who feel unmoved by what you hear of Jesus. 
you that feel that you cannot feel, it is to you that I would preach salvation in Christ by faith. So it's not about how you feel. Do you have the right feelings, the right experience, the right emotions, the right sense of God's presence, the right inner circumstances? That's not the root of it. To you, God says, all that truly matters in the end is that your faith is in Jesus Christ that you are trusting in him. It is Christ, the object of our faith, who saves us. It's for whoever believes in Jesus. So it's not how big your faith is, or how meager your faith is, how strong your faith is, or how faint your faith is. It's the fact that your faith is in Jesus. It's him that saves us. And to some people, he gives great faith because faith is his gift. And to some, he gives weak and struggling faith. Your faith might just be a fragment, a sliver, the thinnest of threads that connects you to Jesus. It might be, as Jesus would say himself, the tiniest seed of faith. Your faith might be microscopic. Here I am looking down a microscope, microscope looking for your faith. It's so small, can barely see it. But it's there, the tiniest element of faith. And it brings eternal life because tiny, fragile though it is, it is faith in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Believing in Jesus means accepting that it's true, that he died for your sins. And it means accepting it for yourself. Accepting that it's true means accepting that my sin is real and actual. And that what Jesus did on the cross for my sin is real and factual. He has atoned for me by his death on the cross. I have to be able to accept that. And then I have to be able to accept it for myself. Atonement, salvation becomes mine. When I accept this for myself, what Jesus has done for myself by putting my trust in him. That's what you need to do. Put your trust in him. It's so simple and clear. The heart of Christianity is to simply say that Christ Jesus will be my savior. The moment you believe, you're saved. You're made new. You have eternal life. A spark of new life is ignited in you that will never be extinguished. In that moment, Jesus Christ comes to you to live in you forever and ever. You are made new. That's his work in you as you believe in him. If you trust Jesus to be your savior, no matter how great that trust or how small that trust, then you are saved. He's yours, and eternal life is yours. So because he loves us, God is giving us his son, Jesus Christ, today. That's his gift. He's given you Jesus. And his call, his offer, his invitation here in John 3.16 is just this. 
that you will joyfully, readily, and happily say yes to Jesus Christ as your Savior. So here's what I want you to remember for the rest of this week, the rest of the following week, the rest of July, the rest of 2020, and the rest of your life. For God so loved the world that he gave us one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Let me say a short prayer and then we've got one song which is called The Power of the Cross. Another reminder of how it's the, what Jesus does on the cross that saves us, not how big our faith is. Father, help us to really hear this message clearly that you love us. You love this world that is safe in your hands. And we will be safe in your hands if we will trust you with our lives. Because you love this world so much that you gave your one and only son, Jesus, so that whoever believes in you will not perish but have eternal life. By his death on the cross, you have won the victory over sin. You are rescuing people like us. And you have rescued this world. And you will restore it and renew it. All things will be made new and made good in Christ Jesus. What a hope we have, Lord Jesus. Amen.